Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is 7.09 in the Twin Cities, 84 degrees. Well, of course, a lot of us think about investments and what where maybe we should try and park our money. Should we buy that house? Should our kids buy a house? Uh, should, you know, what, what kinds of investments should we make? Joining us to talk about this, both, you know, traditional, non-traditional investments, Bruce Langer with Chartered Financial Analysts of EPIQ Partners. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, just before we get into some of the, the sort of, you know, non-traditional investments, I do want to ask you about sort of the more traditional investments because there is a lot of debate about the president, uh, President Trump's policies when it comes to trade and the impact that that's going to have on the stock market. Your thoughts about that? What should people think about? You know, fall into the you know very traditional investment advisor speak and not to be cliche but it's all about diversification okay and you do want to have exposure to you know domestic equities a, a decent exposure to some international as well as emerging markets um, but also be de- defensively positioned with some good fixed income maybe not too long uh, duration may you know stay shorter maturities and and we at Epic Partners have had some good experience with non-traditional asset classes. Okay, but and in terms of, of you know, with all of these tariffs that, that, that are you know kind of controversial, obviously, um, your thoughts about that? It, again, is it just the key diversification? Longer term, you know, to, yes, because you're never going to be exactly right in terms of timing timing the market. Um, this has been an incredibly long run going back to 2008, 2009 in terms of a strong equity market. Well, it's been it's been a remarkable run, really. I mean, yes, there are bumps in the road here. But when you look at how much the, the stock market has increased, it's remarkable. It, absolutely. And when there is going to be the next downturn or the next recession, you know, we are one day closer no matter when it comes. And you have to be right twice. Not only when is the time to pull your your chips off the table, but when to get back in. And the markets are very resilient, and the downdrafts are short and painful, and the recoveries are strong and long. And so being out of the market where you look really, really smart, um, you got to be right in the timing to get back in. So if you are, a, in truth, a long-term investor, and that's a different conversation with everybody because everybody has different yeah. circumstances, um, you have to be committed to the long-term and what your plan is all about. Let's talk about some you know, sort of non-traditional investments, but let, let's talk about real estate here because right now um, I know a lot of people who are trying to purchase homes and it's hard. The inventory is low here. But certainly, uh, real estate took a huge hit 
in the Great Recession. And I also know that, you know, a lot of people who are in their late 20s, early 30s, kind of that prime buying age, you know, they've just gotten married and they're scared to, to take the plunge. What are your thoughts about that? Um, we've actually had a lot of conversations with this as an investment asset class. And for most households, the biggest assets on their balance sheet over time is their personal residence. Um, and we've been through an incredible time where the economics of buying a house at a very attractive low interest rate that historically has been tax deductible and as a way to build equity has been a sound financial decision. And particularly at a time when the price of your house from a market value only went one direction. And we learned that wasn't always the case coming out of the Great Recession in 2008. Right. I mean, I, I remember hearing people saying, you can't lose. It's only going to go up in value. And I mean, I'm sure there are many, many people listening to us right now are saying, oh, we, we heard that. You know, I, I mean, that, w- that was a hard lesson. And I think especially people who are in their 20s and 30s, you know, are, are looking at, at how much of a hit their parents took. And maybe the parents are just getting back to where they were in 2008 right now. I mean, what, 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 what are you finding? You know, there's the financial decision and there's the emotional decision. And when you own a house, it's almost entirely not a financial decision because owning a house has other expenses that are tied to it. There is maintenance and there's also the utility of a place to live. And you have a roof over your house and you create a lot of wonderful memories of owning your home. And over time, the real estate does keep pace with the price of inflation. And there are fluctuations where the real estate does increase faster than other asset classes. But longer term, real estate is a wonderful inflation hedge. And, you know, we've seen inflation not be that robust over the last, you know, 10 or so years. Um, We're also seeing interest rates getting a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, the cost of homeownership versus paying rent, you know, look a little bit less attractive or maybe now's the time to buy that house, lock in that interest rate before um, it gets less expensive longer term because rents are getting more and more expensive. Right. And you're obviously and, not building the equity and all of that. Exactly. And, and you know, the other side of that conversation is we're still seeing a lot of multifamily and housing development going up in the Twin Cities. There's still a lot of new construction, a lot of luxury departments, and as well as um, smaller, um, different types of um, apartment dwellings that are options for the millennials and other ways to live. And again, it gets back to the personal situation of what is important to you and what is going to be available. Right. Um, but, well, I, I just I just know a lot of younger people, you know, and when I say younger, I mean, you know, couples who are maybe their 20s, late 20s, 30s, 
who feel that they just got burned or their parents got burned and, and they just are, are really not enthusiastic about being homeowners. And, and I, I think it's, it's a pretty significant trend. You know, if, if you buy a house that is within your means and you can cover the mortgage as a you know, reasonable portion of your living expenses, um, you're probably going to make out in the longer run, if you're going to be in your house for more than five years or so, pretty well to be able to build some equity. Where a lot of people got in trouble is when they've got large houses or maybe more than one large real estate property and assumed they could just keep refinancing or just keep on building a bigger and bigger house. Right. Um, right. But it's, it's 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 interesting though but it's are you seeing that though in your business that, that 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 there are some people who are just really scared about taking that plunge. Um you know most of our clients um are in the situation of do I pay off my mortgage? Right? Okay. Or do I continue to hold it in place? And it's that financial decision versus the emotional decision. And being debt-free has a lot of freedom to it. It certainly does. <laughs> Wouldn't know, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and financially, we feel that there is an arbitrage that with the low interest rate and the tax deductibility that's still in place, um, we can earn more as an investor and be better off by carrying a little bit of a mortgage. Interesting. All right. Listen, we're going to take, Bruce, we're going to take a quick break. We've got to pay some bills here. But I do want to ask you about some other non-traditional investments, especially something that you do hear a lot of about Bitcoin, uh, the value all over the map. But I think a lot of people are intrigued by this. So keep it here. We'll have more with Bruce Langer. He is with Chartered Financial Analysts of EPIQ Partners. It is 722 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy along with Bruce Langer. He's with Chartered Financial He's a Chartered Financial Analyst of EPIQ Partners. Bruce, want to ask you about something that you hear a lot about and I think that a lot of people are very confused about. And certainly the value has been all over the map. It's down pretty dramatically from where it was earlier, uh, just a few months ago, really. Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin is one of amongst hundreds of cryptocurrencies. And it's built upon this blockchain technology, which is really a sophisticated electronic uh, accounting software that lets you know exactly who owns a transaction throughout the history of that transaction. And it assigns ownership and value to that transaction. And um, it is a very, very interesting concept around value and ownership that has uh, sort of a, a libertarian um, ethos to it. And it's been the concept has been around for a long time, but we have now the the technology and the computing power actually to 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 have a a trading platform around it. All right, and and you can actually get, and I wasn't aware of this until pretty recently, but you 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 can get like like one Bitcoin is currently. I'm just looking at. Yeah, you know, the the Google value sixty four hundred dollars, but you can actually can't you purchase like a part of a Bitcoin? Sure, yeah, they they can get it down to many decimals. Many and, decimals, okay. Yes, 
All right. Now, Bitcoins were trading a lot higher not that long ago. What happened? Um, Supply and demand. And there has been um, some concerns about the security of the ownership of Bitcoin. In It's it's traded all over the world 24 hours a day. And some of the the vaults, and I'm holding my hands up and making quotes, uh, (laughs) can be... The air quotes. (laughs) Yes, the air quotes. Um, can be, be compromised. And when these, these coins, these cyber coins, um, are compromised and go missing, um, they're gone. And because there's no government and no insurance companies backing them up, there's nobody you can go to. To complain. Know, the FDIC or the Securities Exchange and say, help me recover what I have lost. Um, and that is the interesting, you know, philosophical conversation about the value of currency. The U.S. dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the, our government. Right. Um, who is backing the value of Bitcoin or Eurethum or there's hundreds of other of cryptocurrencies okay. out there? All right, and and, and I, it's it's my understanding that that really the person who invented Bitcoin is a complete mystery. Nobody really knows who he is. Correct, correct. Okay. Um, do people come into you and and say, "Hey, Bruce, I'm thinking about you know kind of getting getting with it here, and I want to get into some of these new currencies here, um, and I, I'd like to put down you know some money to invest in that." I mean, what what do you tell people? Uh, we all, we've had definitely some interesting conversations um, at Epic Partners. You know, we will take our clients and say, we want to learn, and we will absolutely have the conversation with you. And if it's a rabbit hole, we will be very, very careful, and we want to do our homework, right? Be prepared right. To, to understand what this is all about, Um we don't know everything, and we're very comfortable saying that we do not know something. Right. And if it's too good to be true, it probably right. is. It doesn't sound like the kind of investment that, that you'd encourage maybe somebody of a middle-income couple approaching retirement to, to allow their money into Bitcoin. Without question. You know, yeah. there, there, there's no question that something with a price volatility um, that, a, that a Bitcoin has, you need to be prepared to lose it. it. It's a casino at this point. Wow. Okay. And and, and you're saying that, that it's not just Bitcoin. There are many other of these cryptocurrencies out there. Absolutely. And there, uh, um, just about anything can be turned into a um, initial coin offering. You'll hear about ICOs. And uh, just in this last week, there was an article. Uh, the FBI currently has 130 active investigations into initial coin offerings that are scam. Wow. Wow. Okay, so this is this is not something you want to just kind of venture off into casually. Um, correct. It's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a target-rich environment for people who are susceptible to parting with their money. And the bad guys know this. Wow. Okay. And, and, and over 100 FBI investigations there. Um, are there any other non-traditional, non-traditional um, you know, investment opportunities that, that you kind of try, try and steer people to or, um, or, or have we pretty much covered it? 
Oh no, there. I mean, you know, but between between uh, you know the real estate um, besides your house, you know, the next step is buying into a duplex where there's some pretty steady monthly income. Maybe the Bitcoin. There's a lot of room in between. Right. Um, we've had conversations with our clients at Epic Partners that we spend a lot of time uh, aligning their capital with what their values are all about. Um, and that can be, you know, something along the lines of um, if they're in the environment, they might want to look at some clean energy companies. Sure. Um, we've had some technology startups where people of our, our clients have had, had something to offer um, from an experience relationships or just a mentor um, perspective. And, you know, it's really we have the luxury, I think, to you know get to know our clients very, very well and 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 build strategies that really fit them. Right. And, and so, so what you're saying is that there are many people who, if they have the luxury, whatever, you know, want to invest in, in things that they believe in or, or make sure that they don't invest in things that they don't believe in, whether it's political or environmental. Absolutely. And, you know, it, if you if you want to go into the non-traditional asset classes, you know, the important conversation is be be prepared to do your homework, you know, be prepared to be patient because, when you're investing in your stocks and your bonds and your mutual funds, those are highly liquid assets and they're priced daily and you can turn them sure. into cash tomorrow. Um, you, you know, selling your house or selling a real estate or selling something non-traditional. Um, That's not liquid <laughs> easily. <laughs> it's not liquid. And the good and the bad of that is that when the market drops, you don't listen to the news at the end of the day and know exactly how much money you lost. Um, but you are able to understand who you're partnered with and you can help navigate, you know, the, the bad times sure. and say, what are we going to do to turn this around? All right. Well, well, that, that is excellent advice. Listen, Bruce Langer, uh, he's chartered financial analyst of EPIQ partners. Thank you so much for joining us and, and, you know, c- c- giving us some insights tonight. We really appreciate it. I enjoy your weekend. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You enjoy your weekend too as well. That's Bruce Langer uh, with EPIQ Partners. All right, folks. Uh, Esme Murphy with you. We got to take a break. We got to pay some bills. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by counterterrorism consultant and former Marine David Enabo. I believe I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Um, just to talk about, you know, obviously a changing world, a lot of uncertainty, and he's going to give us some insight. And uh, before that, though, when we after we take the break, we're going to give you some weather. So keep it here. News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 735 in the Twin Cities, 83 degrees. Well, obviously, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, upholding of the president's travel ban. We're going to talk more about that in our 8 o'clock hour with Professor David Schultz, who, of course, is a constitutional law professor. Uh, but there are some questions here about how effective measures are in terms of preventing terrorist attacks in this country. The president has stressed that these measures are there to protect us, yet Oftentimes, if you look at some of the attacks that that we have experienced on U.S. soil, these are not people who are coming in from foreign countries. These are actually people who are American citizens. Joining us to talk about this uh, is counterterrorism consultant and former Marine David Enabo. Uh Thank you so much for coming on. 
Well, thank you for having me. All right. Let me let me ask you, what are your thoughts about uh, how safe we are in this country when it comes to a potential terrorist attack? I think that uh, we are probably a lot safer than we were on 9-11 from the grandiose types of attacks like 9-11 where, where hijackers um, took over airliners and crashed them into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. I think those kinds of grandiose attacks are much less likely. But I do think that we have uh, a lot of concern, or we should have a lot of concern over lone wolf terrorism. Right. And lone wolf terrorism uh, typically involves people who become self-radicalized on the Internet and decide to carry out something oftentimes very simple, like climbing into their cars and driving into a crowd of innocent people. And uh, these types of attacks really are uh, difficult for a counterterrorism enterprise to predict and to prevent. And, and I, you know, because that is something that, that is something that I know that law enforcement struggles with. And how do you do that if somebody is very much isolated? It, it almost seems like it's in, impossible in a free society to really prevent all of those or prevent those kinds of attacks. I I kind of think that we uh, you know, this really kind of stems back to our our the way we've been fighting terrorism from the very beginning. And let me just say that over the last 20 to 25 years of my career, I've spent a lot of time reading and translating the writings of Islamist ideologues. I've listened to their audio lectures. I've, re- I've watched their, their videotapes. And all of these people, the groups that are out there, whether it's Al-Qaeda, Islamic State, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, they all pretty much have the same ideology. And the way these people think they're going to beat us militarily is by engaging us into a long protracted war of attrition where we get worn down physically and mentally and psychologically and economically and so on and so forth until we don't have a uh, the will to fight anymore and all you got to do is say gee that sounds like afghanistan we've been there for 17 years right. and we still don't have an end in sight we're still fighting the taliban now we're also fighting um, Islamic State there. So what we have been doing in the war on terror in general hasn't been working. You can look at Iraq. We occupied that country for eight and a half years, yet Iraq is not a, a friendly ally of the U.S. in the region now, and it's not a beacon of democracy in the Middle East. So my uh, approach to all this uh, is to defeat and delegitimize the ideology of Islamism. If you want to stop lone wolf attackers, uh, these people typically aren't card-carrying members of any group. They don't go to Afghanistan or the Middle East somewhere to learn how to build a bomb or, or become a terrorist. They become radicalized by the ideology on the Internet. And unless we're but are, more... Aren't, aren't they hijacking, though, what is really, uh, you know, a, a, a religion that is not about terrorism? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yes. And, and, and that's part of, uh, you know, I've, I've just recently had a book published called It's the Ideology How to Defeat Islamist Terrorism Once and for All. And the book has a, actually has a six-step strategy for uh, defeating the ideology of Islamism. But you are very correct in saying that we have to differentiate between mainstream Orthodox Islam, which is a true religion, and Islamism 
which is a deviant ideology that not even you know the Grand Sheikh of Al Azhar on down has has supported or uh, approved. So we have to do a much better job of separating uh, the two. We have to stop. You know, when we have terrorist attacks around the world, unfortunately, Americans are oftentimes quick to stereotype all Muslims as being the same. Right. Well, we're not all the same as Christians. And it, it's the same, the same is true for, for Islam. You know, I lived in the Middle East and Europe and in North Africa for 13 years. And unfortunately, the people in those cultures have the same sorts of stereotypes and, and um, uh, mistakes opportunities as far as is how they view us uh, they have the same stereotypes of us as we have of them and uh, so there's, there's a lot of things we can do on on both sides of the ocean here to kind of reach out and engage with one another because we can't kill our way out of this problem right. this is not something that we can do uh, militarily or, or reach some kind of military solution for i mean obviously that hasn't worked right let, let me ask you this because you know this is something that, that obviously um the Minnesota and uh, the Twin Cities has struggled with especially because there has been a, a wave of, of young people who have been radicalized, uh, some of whom did in fact make it over to Somalia, the first wave. Uh, some made it over to uh, fight for ISIS. Uh, the second wave, many of them, uh, these young people, and they were very young, um, <laughs> you know, 17, 18, 19, 20. Right. Uh, and, and, a number of them in this second wave that, that either tried to go over to get to ISIS or, or um, some of them actually made it over were were enchanted by, by one individual, Anwar al-Awalaki, who was an American who was killed um, in a drone strike in Yemen. Right. From where you sit here, and, and again, we're, we're chatting with uh, David Enabo. He's a counterterrorism consultant and former Marine is that this is somebody who was, uh, as I said, an American? He was somebody whose uh, videos are still on YouTube. They're they're pretty easily accessible, and and he had this sort of ability to um, sway people. Is is his influence waning? And is there somebody else who's kind of picking up the slack? And or is there is there success in trying to fight that kind of sort of YouTube? Uh, radicalization. <laughs> a lot of moving parts in that question, is me. Uh, but I'll I'll tell you this: a lot of the kids, younger people, particularly in the West, who become radicalized, oftentimes are kids, young people who feel they don't belong. They feel disenfranchised. They want to be a part of something that is larger than themselves. And many of them who become targets of recruiters from. Uh, Islamic State or Al-Qaeda or any of the other groups, Al-Shabaab in the case of the Somalis, um, what happens is that they feel uh, the, the recruiters are really expert at feeding them and cherry-picking verses from the Quran about what they're going to do You know, if they, if they come in and fight with Al-Shabaab or they go and fight with ISIS. Um, they're going to be fulfilling uh, the will of Allah. And they're most of the time, these kids are very uh, uninformed or, or poorly educated in the fundamentals of their own faith, which is what makes them vulnerable. And they get these notions that somehow or other they're going to be sweeping across the desert on an Arabian stallion, uh, slaying 
the infidels wherever they are. It's it's kind of a romantic picture that goes that harkens back to the days right. of the Islamic Empire, and it isn't that at all. In fact, there are many kids that that uh, do escape, come back and say, you know, that's the worst mistake I ever made in my in my life. Right. Getting getting to Al Laki. Uh, this is a, a subject that I deal with uh, quite uh, in detail in the book. Uh, I, I think that there's problem in letting too much of this uh, stuff, you know, if you look at the, at the laws that, that relate to treason, to sedition, to uh, things of that nature, Title 18 U.S. Code, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. YouTube, Google, Facebook, uh, the major social media giants out there are all U.S. corporations. They're U.S. entities. Right. And they should be uh, they really should be subject to U.S. laws. And what we're doing here is not, in my view, we, aren't, uh, we are not censoring people. We are basically trying to keep people from going somewhere and, and meeting a bad end. Let me, let me put it to you this way. YouTube, uh, if you remember back in 2012, there was a video that came out called Innocence of Muslims, and that yes. supposedly was the spark that caused the riot in Benghazi and it caused the riot in, at the American Embassy in Cairo. And YouTube went so far as to say, well, uh, we can't broadcast that anymore. We can't, we can't air that video anymore because it's offending Muslims. But yet it's okay for YouTube to upload videos of people getting their heads cut off or being crucified. Right. And this, this country has laws against snuff films, for instance. Right. You can't create a snuff film. Well, then why should you be able to upload a video of somebody getting their head cut off for someone else's religious propaganda? And, and do you so feel that like there, has there been more response there? Because there's been a lot of criticism, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think there's been as much response as there should have been. I think Twitter has done a really good job of trying to shut down uh, Islamic State and trying to keep ahead of that. You know, they, they keep trying to open up false accounts all the time. I think Twitter has done a pretty good job of trying to shut that down. YouTube, in my mind, has been very slow to cleanse itself of a lot of these videos that have, uh, you know, worked to, to recruit people and radicalize people. Alaki, in my view, the Department of Justice actually issued a memo justifying his targeted killing in Yemen by a drone strike. So why should we be allowing a guy who is essentially officially declared an enemy of the state, why should we be giving him a forum to preach hatred against us? I mean, it's hate speech. Right. And, and he, it's, it's still pretty much up there, isn't it? it? It's up there. Bin Laden's stuff is still up there. Uh, YouTube, in my opinion, has done a very poor job of, of getting rid of a lot of that stuff. I think they could have done things a lot quicker, and they haven't done it. Interesting. All right. Well, listen, I, I really want to thank you, um, counterterrorism consultant and former Marine David Enabo. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's my pleasure, Edmund. Absolutely. All right. Uh, again, that was uh, David Enabo. All right. Much more ahead here on News Radio 830 WCCO. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the fact that you can actually vote right now. And then, of course, at the 8 o'clock hour, uh, Professor David Schultz, we want to talk politics with him, but I also really want to ask him some questions about the Supreme Court. Uh, David Schultz, obviously so knowledgeable about so many things, but he is also a constitutional law professor and really some groundbreaking developments with 
the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, obviously the retirement of Justice Kennedy. Uh, we'll get uh, Schultz's take on that uh, in our 8 o'clock hour. But uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. It is 7.50 in the Twin Cities. Well, I hope all the folks that I saw streaming to Target Field, and all I could think of was, I know the Twins game is just over. What is going on? Because I know they were in Chicago, and I saw all these people, and they looked so happy and so pumped up, and they were all wearing colorful outfits. They were going to see Jimmy Buffett and the Eagles. I mean, that would be an amazing show, I would think. I mean, just really cool. You would think think even... Even at this advanced stage in their careers, they're still going to put on a good concert. They wouldn't be Absolutely. touring otherwise. Absolutely. And and obviously the weather, at least in the downtown Minneapolis area, holding up. <laughs> so let's hope it continues to hold up. I think, like I said before uh, earlier in the show, I think, it, I think we should be fine. Most of the weather and especially the severe weather is down toward Winona, uh, into right. Iowa, into western Wisconsin. So I think the Twin Cities themselves have kind of been spared from Very good. This, As well they should be because it's Jimmy Buffett and the Eagles at Target Field. But anyway, people looked really, really excited. And I, I was, and it was so crowded. And I thought, did I miss something here? Is this like a I, – I, I was moment, having a senior moment on my way in thinking, now I know the Twins are in Chicago. What is going on here? Listen, um, I want everybody to know, and we're going to talk about this more in the 8 o'clock hour with Professor David Schultz, uh, early voting, folks, for that August 14th primary has already started. And we're going to talk with David Schultz about this. The August primary, never has there been so much at stake. And it used to be, it used to be that if you wanted to vote absentee or early, it, you had to say, I'm going to be in Paris. On August 14th, <laughs> or you used to, have to say, um, I think I'm having an operation on August 13th. I mean, you'd have to make something up and it, it was ridiculous. But now, uh, thanks actually, you know, uh, Steve Simon was the one who actually helped pass this bill. Secretary of State Steve Simon, you can vote absentee, no excuses. And, and so we're going to listen. Dave Lee interviewed Steve Simon earlier this week. Let's take that first bite about how people can go about voting early. There are a couple ways you can do that. The best way is to go to the website mnvotes.org, mnvotes.org, and you can just order the ballot to come to your home. You can vote from home between now and August 14th, and you can mail back the ballot. The other way to do it is you can just show up at either your city hall or a county office building, and you can go to that same website to find out where you'd go, and you can vote then. You don't have to be in town in August, and plenty of Minnesotans aren't. Uh, you, you can still have your voice heard. That is so important. And, and mnvotes.org, you can get it mailed directly to your home or you can go to the, your city hall. So like you live in St. Louis Park, you, you go to the St. Louis Park City Hall or you can go to Hennepin County. I know that they're gearing up uh, and, and they'll have the hours there. But I think this is so important because one of the things that has happened in previous years with this August primary and there was not as much at stake – but the turnout was only 10 to 15 percent. That is very, very low. But I would think that with, with so much at stake 
and how easy it is. And I think, you know, more and more people are, are, are getting this. And I think this is really the way it should be, especially if you're an older person or if you're a, a parent with little kids. This is so much easier. And in fact, I know in Minneapolis, and I believe other communities are doing this, uh, the Minneapolis polling place is just a few blocks from here, right next to City Hall. You could actually, if, if you are disabled and are unable to make it outside of your vehicle, they'll come up with the ballot to your vehicle. So it, it could not be any easier uh, at all. Um, and Minnesotans have been able to vote early since 2013. Uh, the Secretary of State, uh, Steve Simon, told Dave Lee this has been so far a very big success. This has taken off like a rocket in the last few years. It used to be only a few percentage of voters would vote absentee, but now that we've broadened it in Minnesota for the last few years, uh, about 23% of voters are now voting before Election Day, and I think people like that freedom and flexibility. All right. Another issue. Okay, so you cast your ballot now, and something enormous happens. Uh, can we say Access Hollywood tape? Can we say Access Hollywood tape? Anyway, something happens, and you're like going, oh, my gosh, I cast my ballot on July 1st or July 2nd, and I just – I've totally – changed my mind. Well, the Secretary of State, Steve Simon, had something to say to Dave Lee about that. A lot of people say, hey, what if I vote 40 days in advance and then something happens, uh, an ad or a debate or a scandal or something, and I want to change my vote? You can do that up to seven days before. So up to seven days before, so on August 7th, you can say, hey, wait, what was I thinking? I want to change my vote. Go to your city hall, your county office, and say, give me my vote back because they won't have opened it and counted it. Because they start opening them, seven days before, that's the cutoff point. But up till seven days before, August 7th, if you have a change of heart and a change of mind, you can do that. That's pretty cool, I think. I mean, that's pretty cool. So you cast your ballot and then you have that that aha moment and you say, oh, no, I blew it. I should have voted for Jane Smith instead of Jane Doe. You can you can make that change. And this is something that, that has been very, very successful, and I think it really does help serve people. Uh, it's so important. Uh, the secretary also addressed the issue of interference in our elections because there is evidence that Russia actually tried to unsuccessfully meddle in Minnesota's elections. I was there at the invitation of Senator Klobuchar, who is the uh, top Democrat on that committee, and I give uh, both parties credit for having this hearing. They had a number of secretaries of state there talking about election security. I believe, and I think increasingly they believe and know, that the number one threat to our election integrity in this country and in the state is the threat of some sort of outside intrusion or attack, be it by a foreign government or the guy next door, it doesn't matter. And keeping folks out, keeping the bad guys out, so to speak, is really important. It means focus, attention, and yes, money, uh, because the price tag uh, is pretty high for the software and the hardware and the people that it takes to keep our elections safe. We passed the test in 2016. Even though we were one of the targeted states by uh, the, some affiliated with the Russian government, we managed to turn back all who tried to get in. I think we can do that again this year, but it takes constant focus. All right. That is uh, Secretary of State Steve Simon talking earlier this week with uh, the one and only Dave Lee. All right, folks, keep it right here. Coming up, we're going to have Professor David Schultz talk about the enormous uh, developments with the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, the vacancy left by the retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy. Keep it here. News Radio A30 WCCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. 
Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 